Praise the Lord once again. This is Pastor Adams, President and Founder of Truth Matters Ministries in Atlanta. Thank the Lord once again for the opportunity and the privilege of being host in attendance of the so vital ministry of standing and defending and contending for the faith of Christ Jesus that has once and for all been delivered unto the saints. And we're just so delighted that you've given us the opportunity to share truths concerning the Word of God. And we started on an exposition, uh, a study of what is called Islam. We're going to continue today, but before we do, we want to pause and pray. Father, we thank you once again for your manifold blessings. Give your name glory today because you are the head of our lives. You are, Lord God, our helper. You are defense. You are our advocate. You are our shield. You are our mediator. You stand as a high priest between us and the Father. And we thank you today, Lord God, that you do everything right in its time. We thank you, Lord God, that you are love. We thank you that you're consistent. We thank you that your ways are past finding out. But Lord, we can stand on the immutability of your truths. You're faithful in everything that you do, Lord. And even now, God, as we go into this podcast today, we pray that you would bless every listener. Let the body of Christ be equipped and let them be emboldened. Let them be motivated to learn that they might be able to represent you and stand as a vanguard and to stand as a vigilant soldier to defend the gospel of Jesus Christ, that their light would shine, that their words would be energized as they plant your word throughout and among a dying world. Bless that person who was involved in Islam or is contemplating being a part of Islam, that they will know and they will understand that only you, Jesus Christ, is the way, the truth, and the life. And only through your holy word, Genesis to Revelation, can they find life. You said, Lord God, that you've given us your word, and in your word we'll find life. Jesus, you said that you were the bread of heaven. Yet if we eat that bread, we wouldn't hunger. You said that you would give us water. And if we drank that water, which came down from heaven, we'll never thirst again. Fill every cup today, Lord God. Let it overflow with your power, with your passion, with your peace, and with your love. Let someone be saved today. Let someone today walk out of darkness and come to know you as Savior and Lord through your marvelous light. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray today. And before we get into our teaching today, I'm just mindful of the words that were spoken by Adam Schiff when giving final testimony and remarks in the infamous Donald Trump impeachment hearings. He said, right matters. Truth matters. And without truth, he says, we're lost. And today, as we begin uh, this episode uh, on, on Islam, we want to just mention and uh, sort of dissect and give you information on what is called Muslims and non-Muslim relationships. I think it's very important that we remember that apparently when Muhammad started his new movement, he encouraged non-believers to freely consider Islam. I, I would ask each one of you, and I think it would be incumbent upon each listener, to get a hold of a Quran. 
So that way you can look at the references and you can see the many contradictions and the many errors and the many falsehoods that are littered throughout the Quran, which you'll find in Surah 2 and uh, 256, it says, let there be no compulsion in religion. But later, he seemed to have a much harsher stand. Where can you find that? In Surah 9 and 5, it says, fight and slay the idolaters whenever you find them. And don't just slay and fight them. He says, besiege them, lie in wait for them. Who? Jews and Christians are the people of the book. But that does not mean that Muhammad had a high regard for them. Just think about that for a minute. It's also noteworthy that in Surah 5 and 41 it says, Jews are called people who will listen to any lie. And he didn't just stop there. He says, and Christians are enemies. When you read Surah 5 and 14, it says, and Muslims are not to have Christians or Jews as friends. Wow. Then when you consider the Pact of Omar, which was written around 637 AD by Christians under Caliph Omar, essentially, it, it really imported most religious rights to the control of Muslims. They agreed not to repair churches, to display crosses on churches. They also agreed not to preach too loudly, especially when Muslims were around. And they also agreed not to bear arms to defend themselves. And the penalties of not submitting to Muslim authority resulted in severe penalties. See, many were burned alive or hanged. See, the truth matters today. There's so many people today who says, well, those who are Muslims and those who are members of Islam they're, they're absolutely 100% peaceful people. They have no contention with Christianity or other religions. They, they don't believe in terrorist activities. They don't believe in killing or bombing, etc., etc. But the truth matters today. Many were burned alive or hanged. Many were just cut down off buildings. See, Islam has a long history of persecution directed at Christians and non-Muslims. Well, let me just stop for a minute. Someone might say, well, come on, Pastor Adams. Keep a balanced playing field. We can give you incident and incident and episode after episode of those who call themselves Christians who killed and who persecuted and had atrocities in the name of religion. And you know what? That is absolutely true. Does it make it right? No. And remember this, those who call themselves Christians and who practice ungodly acts is 180 degrees out of phase or opposite from what is true Christianity and what's outlined in Genesis to Revelation. So I guess in essence, the truth is those who committed those atrocities 
and all of those murders and all of the things that were involved in the Inquisition, that was not really true Christianity. So I think we need to set the record straight. See, there is the record of 50,000 Greeks and Armenians that were massacred in 1822. Then there was the 10,000 Armenians and Nestorians that were murdered in 1850. Truth Matters must say, and we're sad to say, that history records that 11,000 Moronites and Syrians were murdered in 1860. And then another 15,000 Bulgarians were murdered in 1876 by those who called themselves Muslims. Muslims also killed 325,000 Armenians from 1895 to 1908. During the year of 1909, Muslims killed another 30,000 Armenian Christians. 80% of the Armenian population of 1.5 million was exterminated between the years 1915 and 1918. Muslim leader Idi Amin Dada, he killed 300,000 fellow Ugandans back in the 1970s. See, black Christians in North Sudan were starved. And not only were they starved, but they got sold into slavery by Arab Muslims in the 80s and in the 90s. Truth matters today. See, persecution against Christians can be chronicled according to Libya, Nigeria, and Tanzania. In 1990, it was believed that there were 400,000 Christian slaves in what was called Mauritania. In 1994, Iran began a campaign of persecution against Christians, especially those who were members of the Assemblies of God Church. Mm-hmm. See, even the more moderate Saudi Arabia forbades importing a Bible. What do you mean? Don't bring any Bibles within our boundaries. It's against the law. Also in Arabia, Christian evangelism and the act of converting a Muslim is just not what you, what you would call a novice event. They call it a capital offense. Not even a felony, no. It's a capital offense. If you import a Bible, or if you preach or cause a person to convert to Christianity, we're going to kill you. It is fact that atrocities have been committed by Christians. The behavior of his adherents don't validate or disqualify a religion. However, Within the structure and admonitions of Islam, killing and persecuting Christians is a spiritual practice. And as we've read in Surah 5 and 41, and as we read in Surah 5 and 14, and as we read also in um, Surah 2 and 256, there are warrants within the Quran that advocates 
and that admonishes and that supports Muslims persecuting and killing Christians. So we're going to move from there and we're going to look at what is called some Islamic beliefs. Allah is the God that is worshipped by Muslims and he can be traced to, write these down, Ilya of the Southern Arabian moon god. Allah was derived from a popular deities in Mecca, Ilya, Latuza, Venus, and Manat. So what are you saying here, Pastor Adams? That there were popular deities. There were false gods that were worshipped in Mecca. And Allah, the name Allah, came as a derivative or from the tradition of Ilya, Lat, Uzzah, Venus, and Manat. And so when you hear those who are Muslim or Islamic say there is no God but Allah, they're really referring to what is called a hybrid of the tradition of false deities that were popular in Mecca. That's just the truth today. Allah is defined by Muslim as an absolute unity. The God of the Bible is defined as plurality within unity. Did y'all catch that? In Islam, man is good by nature. But the Bible claims man is sinful by nature. Very, very huge contrast. To the Muslim, Jesus is a mere prophet. He didn't die on the cross. And he didn't rise from the dead. The Bible describes Jesus as both God and man. And that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. Islam believes in salvation by works. The Bible teaches that salvation is by grace through faith alone. Islam believes that the Bible is corrupted. But the very Bible itself says that every word of it is inspired by God. See, we at Truth Matters find it interesting that Muhammad is exalted and he's revered by Muslims and Jesus is not. When you research the contents of the Quran, it tells a different story about Jesus and Muhammad. See, the Quran says that Muhammad was sinful. He wasn't born of a virgin. He was never called or considered a Messiah. He was never he was never addressed as the word of God. Muhammad never performed a miracle, not one. There's no record of him ever ascending into heaven. But when you contrast that Jesus to Jesus, Jesus, on the other hand, is described in the Quran as perfect. Without sin. Born supernaturally of a virgin. One who did perform many miracles. The Quran says Jesus was the word of God and ascended into heaven. See, I think it's important here that the sincere Muslim must consider the very book that they embrace as God's or Allah's holy word esteems Jesus so much more and far above Muhammad in every area. Truth matters must say that Muslims diminish Jesus Christ's deity and his pre-existence, but 
listen to what the Quran says about Jesus and to those that revere him as deity. See, the problem, however, is that the Muslim scripture is far from being consistent. Since when you look at the Quran in Surah 4171, it expressly says that Jesus is a spirit from Allah. In his word, which he cast into Mary, both of which clearly presuppose that he did have a pre-human existence. And even though the Quran denies that God is the Messiah and that Jesus is the son of God, listen to what it says. They are unbelievers who say God is the Messiah, Mary's son. Say, who then shall overrule God in any way if he desires to destroy the Messiah, Mary's son and his mother and all those who are on the earth for to God belongs the kingdom of the heavens and the earth and all that is between them, creating what he will. God is powerful over everything, according to Surah 5 and 17. See, the Jews say that Ezra is the son of God. The Christians say the Messiah is the son of God. That is the utterance of their mouths, conforming with the unbelievers before them. God assail them. How they are perverted is what the Quran says in Surah 9 and 30. But we at Truth Matters must say that the hermeneutical imperative of trying spirits by the spirit is avoided by Muslims. Why do you say that, Pastor Adams? Because in Galatians 1 and 6 it says that we must reject all teachings that are contrary or divert from what Jesus and the prophets have already preached. Jude 3 exhorts us to contend for the faith or teachings that has already been delivered to the saints. Remember, the completed canon of scripture was completed in the first century. And I want you all to make sure you listen closely. But the Quran did not arrive on the scene until after 500 A.D. So if the Bible or God's inspired word was completed and we know Revelation 22 says you can't add another word to it if that took place in the first century how can God have more inspired words 500 years after the completed revelation was in place see Christians must be stable and rooted in the essentials of the Christian faith what are some of them well one of the essentials that all Christians must believe and that all believers in God must stand on is that we must believe that Jesus is God. Also, that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that Jesus died on the cross. And there is no salvation for mankind without believing that. According to John 3.16, Acts 4 and 12, Romans 10, 8 through verse 10, and also in Acts 16. And also that Jesus bodily resurrected from the dead, according to 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 14. And also that the Bible is the only inspired word of God, according to 2 Timothy 3.16. Now, on these pillars and foundations, Islam is contrary to the Holy Scripture and the clear revelation that God has declared for mankind. See, the Muslim lives his or her life by strict sacraments. They must abide by the adhan, call to prayer daily. Then the Muslim must 
operate and function in the select, which is pray five times a day. And while praying five times a day, they must perform the Quibla, which is facing east toward Mecca, where the Kaaba resides. The Muslim must daily observe the Sharia and then is forbade from gambling, can't drink, can't eat any pork. And on a personal note, I just I, I must really commend uh, those who are Muslim. Just imagine no ham, no bacon, no Jimmy Dean sausage, no ribs. And I have to applaud anyone who can abstain from such tasty entrees. The Muslims are also required to give to the needy. Their submission to Allah by the zakat is attributed by the giving they perform. Every year during the month of Ramadan, Muslims are required to fast from sunrise to sunset beginning on the first day of that month, commemorating the first month that the Quran first began to be written. And finally, at least once during your lifetime, a Muslim must take what is called the Hajj or the pilgrimage to Mecca. See, the Muslim desires to go to heaven where he can live forever in excess of foods and have those sexual orgies that we mentioned before or not perform all the required daily abstinences and mandates and spend and spend eternity in hell. So what is really the reward for the Muslim? When I die, if I just make sure I perform the Sharia, make sure that I keep up and perform the Adan and the Salat, make sure that I perform the Quibla and the Kaaba, and if I keep all of these dietary laws, and if I'm if I don't drink any alcohol, don't eat any pork, don't gamble, and live by all of these strict mandates and rituals and sacraments, wow, then I won't spend eternity in hell and then when I die then I can eat all the food I want I can live excessively I can have sexual orgies with all of these 40 and 70 virgins and that is the reward or the benefit of living a life as a Muslim what a far difference between a relationship with Jesus Christ. What a contrast between actually being called a son and a daughter. My mind thinks of what it says in 1 John 5 and 14. It says, What manner of love has the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons and daughters of God? The scriptures tell us that for he has made us, it says that he has translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son that we should be a peculiar people, a holy nation, that we should show forth the praises of him who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And it also tells us that he is a high priest. He is a mediator. He says that we can come boldly before the throne of grace to receive grace to help in the time of trouble or need. He says that every tear in our eyes, he captures it. He knows our thoughts are far off. He says when we call upon his name, he'll say, here I am. He said he'll walk with us through every trial. He says he'll be with us always, even until the end of the world. What a difference between living and walking in ritual and mandates 
and works and systems versus having a relationship with a true and living God. So we're going to do for the uh, few minutes that we have left, we're going to get into what is called a critique of the Quran. Muslims claim to trust and believe in five books. One is called the Suhuf, which are the scrolls. And two, they also ascribe and adhere to the teachings of the Torah. Muslims also believe in the Psalms. And then they also believe in the Gospels of Isa. And then lastly, they believe in the Quran. So the five books, the Sohuf, the Torah, the Psalms, the Gospels of Jesus, and then the Quran. But I think it's very important that we at Truth Matters, that we really present some very important facts. Since the introduction of the Quran into the world in 610 CE, the Muslim world has proclaimed to it to be a superior new revelation that replaces the Bible. See, Muslims state that it is more reliable than the Bible since it is a resuscitation by a man from God. Remember that. What do they mean by that? That it didn't come through the writings like of Paul or the writings of Luke or the writings of Timothy, but they're saying that it came directly from God. The Muslims consider the Bible to be corrupted in the Quran. They consider it to be sublime. See, Listen to what Muslims say. They say the Quran is an exact copy of the words of God which are inscribed in the celestial plate. And since that's true, they say it's inerrant. In essence, they're saying it's infallible. Now, in the tradition of other divinely revealed books, the Torah, the Psalms, and the Gospels, from their perspective, it really supersedes them because it was not corrupted by man. Indeed, only the Quran was collected so promptly and meticulously after its prophetic completion. So since they say it was uh, so meticulously collected and put together, it's considered to be supreme and superior to the Gospels, the Psalms, and the Torah. Muslims go on to claim that the Quran is a revelation that cannot be imitated. They also claim that it came by a message and from the messenger, which is called the angel Gabriel. They also say that it provides Muslims at all times and in all places with direction in religious and civil duties. It guides them to the straight path. That is the testimony that Muslims have concerning the Quran. Now the testimony within the Quran says that God gave us the book the Quran with the truth, confirming the scriptures that preceded it. They say that he already gave us the Torah and the Gospels for the guidance of men, according to Surah 3 and 3. But we at Truth Matters must say, it's strange that it contradicts the Bible that it preceded. But we'll discuss that at, at length further. The Quran also says that the Holy Spirit brought the book down from your Lord in truth to reassure the faithful and give them guidance. Now we at Truth Matters are respectful of the vigilant Muslims that practice and submit to the teachings of the Quran. However, we are alarmed at many of the unfounded and hollow claims of Islam. When testing the authenticity of documents, the older revelation is to be held unto if the newer one contradicted it or failed to fulfill it. 
Man, that sure bears repeating. Anytime you test the authenticity of a document, the rule of thumb is the older revelation is to be held onto if the newer one contradicted it or failed to fulfill it. Now, by way of example, the Mormons claim the Book of Mormon is a new revelation from God. But to the principle, it contradicts the Bible. And then along with that, it commits false prophecies that have not been fulfilled. The Bible says that there is one God. The Book of Mormon says there are millions. The Bible says that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. The Book of Mormon states Jesus was born in Jerusalem. Do you all see my point here? See, this is clearly a case where the rule stands. If a new revelation contradicts the older revelation, the new one must be rejected. So today, we thank God for you taking time to tune into this Truth Matters podcast. And we're going to continue in our next episode on the validity and the errors of documents. And we're going to highlight some of the errors and contradictions and false claims of the Quran so that you as a Christian can share these truths with your Islamic friends and neighbors so that they can understand and establish themselves on the true word of God, the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. And thank God today you pray for us that we will continue to be bold and that we'll be vigilant in standing up for truth because we're living in an hour where truth indeed matters. Thank you.